bless the Lord this morning. Let's try that again. Bless the Lord this evening. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Rick, for allowing me to stand behind this pulpit and uh, minister the word tonight. Let's stretch our hands towards Pastor and his wife. Let's, uh, let's just put a blessing upon them. Father, we thank you for Pastor Rick and Sister Kim. We thank you for their servant heart to this house, Lord. And we know that at times it, it tries their very spirit. It tries even their very flesh. It tries even their very relationship. We ask the grace of the Lord be upon them. And Lord, I pray that whatever burden is upon them that is not of the Lord, that you lift it even now in the name of Jesus. Lord, and I just pray the peace of God that passes all understanding, guard their heart and minds in Christ Jesus. I pray for Riley and Austin, a hedge of protection around them. I pray that the will of the Lord be prosper in their life, and I come against the plan of the enemy, and I cancel it now in the name of Jesus, that the plans of the Lord, that the words of the Lord, that the things of God would prosper in their life, and that, Lord, you would bless this house, bless this marriage, bless their finances, bless them spiritually, emotionally, bless their marriage. Bless all that they put their hands to. Give them strength of spirit and even strength of man and woman to do according to your good pleasure in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God is good. God is good. Amen. How's everybody doing out there? Amen. Good. All right. Usually it's dark and I don't get to see your faces, but it's good to see everybody. Amen. We're going to uh, get into the word this evening. And um, as we are celebrating and, and meditating on uh, the Holy Week, I'm going to be looking at, at the, the Garden of Geth Gethsemane. And so if you want to turn to Matthew 26, that's where we're going to be landing. And we'll get there momentarily. Just thank the Lord for his word. Father, thank you that you have revealed to us Jesus through your word, by your spirit, and even just, Lord, you pursued us. It is, it, even as the song said, there was no mountain you wouldn't climb up, no shadow you wouldn't light up in order to find us, and you did. You found us, Lord. We didn't find you. And some of the places where you found us, Lord, we... <clears throat> just to show how awesome you are, that you rescued us, and we bless you. And tonight, as we partake of your word, open up our spirit, open up our ears, soften our hearts to receive your word, in Jesus' name, amen. So tonight, with, uh, with the time I have, I, I want to talk about the, jour the journey to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a place of beautiful frailty. You know, when we, when we read the gospel, we see Jesus, he walks on water. He casts out demons, he raises the dead. He opens up the ears of the deaf, he opens up the eyes of the blind. He, he loosens mute tongues. He speaks to authority. He, can't, he speaks to demons, he speaks to those in authority. He speaks to the hungry, he speaks to the lost. He, he's just... A, a, Strong. And then he, we get to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we get to see a different Jesus. 
you know, it's, and, and we get to see Jesus in a place of frailty, in a place of needing his friends. When he says to them, could you not watch me with me for one hour? He says, watch and pray with me. But the garden is a beautiful place. And we get a revelation of Jesus that shows not only his, his Godhead, but it even shows his humanity. And it's a beautiful picture, and it's a beautiful place, and I want to be able to get into it tonight as we look at this, look at what goes on in the Garden of the Gethsemane. It's a beautiful place of frailty. Think about it. Jesus says in this place, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here with me and keep watch with me. So there's some turmoil going in, on in Jesus' life, and he's revealing what's going on, and he reveals it to his friends. He says, I'm overwhelmed to the point of death. And then we see the, in this place of frailty, we see Peter, James, and John. Jesus is in a circle. And Jesus comes to his disciples, and he finds them sleeping. And he said to Peter, he says, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. So here's Jesus, and he's, he, he's in a place of, of turmoil, is in a place of, of frailty. He knows that, that what's, what's coming upon him. He realizes that all of the sin of the world from Adam to the last child to be born in, on this earth, all of that sin is going to be placed on him. And the punishment for that sin, he has to go through. He's the word, so he knows the rejection that is going to take place from people he ministered to for three years. He knows that his closest friends are going to abandon him. He knows that the father is going to have to turn away from him because he is now, he will become the ultimate sin offering. He knows all of this. And he's overwhelmed by it. You ever feel overwhelmed? Heard about it, seen pictures? We get overwhelmed by the slightest things. And here we see the overwhelming brevity of what Jesus is about to do and the emotions that he's going through, and we get to a peek inside of it in the garden. And we see the frailty of his friends who, who uh, failed him. We don't like to embrace frailty. We don't like to embrace our own frailty. But even, but even though it's the very thing that defines us, See, we like to come across as strong. We like to come across like we've got it all together. 
Like we've got all the answers. Put me on jeopardy. We want to act like we know it all. We've got it all together. It's all planned out. We know what's going on. We, we, we put forth this place of strength when in all reality, we're as frail as our next breath. And we don't like to, to acknowledge it or even embrace it. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> remember Superman, not the black and white Superman, but the 1978 Superman, the Christopher Reeve Superman, when his arch nemesis Lex Luthor, he had, uh, he had launched two nuclear missiles, and Superman comes in to save the day, and he, he confronts Mr. Luthor, and he asks where the, uh, where the codes are so that he can divert these things and save a, a catastrophe. And Mr. Luthor says, oh, they're in that box over there. And, and Superman goes over there, and he opens up the box, and there's kryptonite in there. Mr. Luthor. Superman falls apart. Now he's weak. Mr. Luthor binds him with chains and then pushes him into a pool. And, and when we look, we think, oh, wow, Superman is weak. He's frail. But hey, Superman is not supposed to happen. And we, and we don't like to think of, the, of our heroes, people that we looked at and we look up to, that they're just as frail as we are. Sometimes we like to put them up to hero status. But we're all weak. We're all frail. And sometimes we need to acknowledge it and, and, and sometimes even just let it be. It's a very real existence of our humanity. The frailty of a newborn baby. The very need, uh, everything that that child needs is that person that ne needs a sustenance from, from, from you. It needs love from you. It needs to be clothed by you. It needs to be burped by you, and it needs to be changed by you. So the frailty of a child. Then the frailty of a person who just a short time ago was able to get out of bed, shower, dress themselves, drive to work, and to produce wages that provided for their lifestyle. Only now they're limping, partially paralyzed, needing a cane for stability because a stroke has stolen their once productive lives. I sometimes look at that and I see, when I see it, sometimes I wonder, just a short time ago, that person had the strength they needed to provide for their own lives. And now it's as if they, they, they drag their foot and, it, and my heart goes out to them and it, it breaks because the frailty of their life is just manifested in a moment. The frailty of the elderly whose body has borne the ravages of time. It's amazing how we're frail at the beginning of our life and, seem, and we're frail at the end of our life and we fake frailty for the rest of our life in between. It's when we embrace our frailty that we find our strength. 
See, Paul pleaded with Jesus, and he says this out of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. He says, and he said to me, this being Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of God may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Tonight, let's look at Gethsemane, the place of frailty. We're going to start, we're going to look in chapter 26. It's going to start in verse 36. It says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. So remember, he says to eight of his disciples, You guys stay over here. And then he takes his three closest friends and he says, You guys stay over here a little closer to me. But he says, he says to them, you guys wait there. But to these three, he says, watch with me. So we're seeing a different side of Jesus. Jesus is the one who was almost, he was always, it seemed, he was the leader. And now he's over here, and he's still the leader. But he's showing his humanity. He's showing, I need you three more now than ever. And so we're starting to see Jesus' need for companionship from his, from his closest friends. So let's read on. And he went a little beyond them, and he fell on his face. Isn't it amazing? The Bible, it's, it's kind of, it's a remarkable here. Usually, you fall on your knees, right? But it says here, he fell on his face. He, he, he prostrated himself. His, his posture even shows his desperation and his turmoil on what's going on. So he, it says here, so he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's be, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. There's a lot going on in the garden here. 
A lot going on with Jesus. Not much going on with the disciples at the moment. But we're seeing a different side of Jesus that, like, like with Superman, that we didn't want to see. It's something we don't want to kind of embrace with Jesus. But remember, he was fully God and he was fully man. And he's at a place of, of turmoil, emotional turmoil. And the literal weight of the world is upon his shoulders. And we're seeing his need for not only his, his, his connection to the Father, but his connection to his three closest friends. I want to talk to you about three frail moments in the Garden of Gethsemane. Frail moment number one is the frailty of intimacy. And we see that here in, in verses 36 through 39. When Jesus, when they, when they get to the garden and Jesus says to, his, to eight of his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And then to his three disciples, stay here and watch with me. And then we see him fall on his face before God and cry out to him that if, it's, that if it's possible for this cup to pass, nevertheless, as I will. And he prayed this prayer three times. Not that he didn't believe that God did not hear him, but because of the overwhelming, like he says here, my soul is grieved to the point of death. There's so much emotion going on with Jesus at this point that his, his connection to the Father was vital. And even the fact that He's expressing truth to him. Listen, if this cup can pass, let it pass. There's always frailty in intimacy. See, real intimacy is not about being strong. It's about being vulnerable and weak. The bonds of marriage are made strong when we are vulnerable to each other in our weaknesses. That's the beauty of marriage is that I get to be open and transparent before my bride. And she gets to be open and transparent before me. And it's a place of safety. It's not a place where when someone gets to be open and vulnerable that we point a finger or laugh or we point a finger and we mock, we mock, or we reject their vulnerability. See, the beauty of the frailty of intimacy, and it is frail, because one thing we want is, is if we're going to open ourselves to someone, that it's safe. We're not going to expose ourselves to someone who's going to attack us or turn and use what we share with them at a later date to mock us or to ridicule us or to put us down. And so, because intimacy is so frail, and it's so, it, we, we have to understand that there comes time we're all weak. There comes time when, when our weakness is exposed to the person that knows us the most. And what do we want? We want acceptance. We want love. We want forgiveness. We want grace. We want mercy. We want understanding. We want a shoulder to cry on, a hand to hold. A place to go to not feel ashamed. 
That's the frailty of intimacy. Is that I come with who I am, all the baggage, all the issues. And I say, this is who I am. This is who we are. And so there's beauty in this, and we see it in Jesus, in his intimacy with the Father. When he's speaking to him and he's saying, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. What's what's he saying? He's confessing frailty. He embraced the cross, yes, he, because it was the will of the Father and he understood it. But he was, he, he didn't run and say, he was weak at this moment. And he was, and in the intimacy, he was frail before the Father. And he was saying, if you want to, if you want to paraphrase it, I really don't want to have to go through this. But I will. Because I trust you. Because I know your love for me is deep and I know your strength for me, and I know your promise to see me through this. And so I trust you. Not what I will, but what you will. So there's deep intimacy going on here. And it's beautiful when we're at a place of weakness that someone close to us accepts us. It makes us secure. It's the very strength and foundation of a marriage. Imagine if you got to walk around and be Be afraid or be phony because you can't be frail and real with someone. And so there's beauty in this frailty. There's beauty in this. Paulo Coelho, excuse my Spanish, it's been a while, says this, the strongest love is the love that can demonstrate fragility. See, the person, that, the person that knows us the most is the person know, that knows that we don't have it together at all. And it's okay. You ever notice, like you say, when, when, when you say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I, I, I kind of didn't do this or I didn't do that or this is going on. And, and, and you know, and all of a sudden you hear that word, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. We're in this together. The beauty of frailty. And it's the same thing when we come to the Father. And it's like Pastor Rick was talking about on Sunday when we confess our sins. The beauty of going before him and saying, I've done this, and I've done this before your eyes. And it wasn't hidden in secret when I did it. And I did it before you, and I'm sorry, and I ask for forgiveness. And knowing that we're not rejected, that we're heard, that we're cleansed, and that we're made right. And we can continue on with our relationship because he accepts us as sons and daughters. There's beauty in that frailty of that intimacy with the Lord. Without, without that frailty, there really is no depth to intimacy. And so we see it in Jesus. The depth of his intimacy with the Father was that he can be real instead of saying, I'm ready to go to the cross. It's not what he said. He said, if it's possible, let this cup pass me. And he didn't say it one time, he said it three times. 
it's possible. If it's possible. If it's possible. But nevertheless, your will be done. So there's beauty in his frailty. True intimacy is fragile and frail. Without it, we never experience love. We never experience mercy. We never experience kindness. We never experience grace. And we never experience forgiveness. And it's these very cords that hold our lives together. Frail moment number two is the frailty of friendship. In verse 40... It says, he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch of me for one hour. And then in verse 41, he says, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, there's frailty even in friendship. No matter the friendship, how long or how short, how new or how old, the fact of the matter is, is that we're going to let each other down. How many times we're going to say things that are going to be, are going to hurt, they're going to sting. There are times in friendship when we're going to disappoint one another. We've been friends almost 35 years, and our friendship has had its places of up and downs, our, fr our friendship. But the beauty and the frailty of the friendship is not that we take offense to every little offense. We, we take the hit, and we still keep coming. Because there's a bond there. There's a bond here. There's a bond with each and every one of us because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not only friends, we're brothers and sisters. And we're supposed to stick together. And I may disappoint you. And you may disappoint me, but guess what? It's okay. Because that's the beauty of the frailty. I have to look at you and say, you know, I can't. It's even as Jesus said, you can't take the, the, the speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a log in your own. And so what's he saying? He's saying basically, you can't look at somebody and say, I can't believe you did this to me when you, you've done worse than they have done. So we're supposed to embrace each other as friends. And that's the beauty of friendship. That's the frailty of it too. Sometimes being real. Sometimes you need a friend to go to when you're at your worst. And be able to open a door and say, hey, blah, 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 blah. Oh, man, I messed up bad. And it's open. See, that's the frailty, and that's the beauty, and that's the strength of friendship. See, circumstantial friends or fair-weathered friends are only there when the going's good. You got money? <laughs> Let's hang out. You know? Yeah. Beer at your house, I'll be there. Barbecue at your house, I'll be there. Hey, how about we have a barbecue at your house? Oh, I'm not going to be there. We have fair-weathered friends. They're, they're not really friends. They're acquaintances. 
They're not in your inner circle. They're your, you guys wait over here while I go over there. You know who your friends are. And you know who your acquaintances are. Most of your people on, friend, on Facebook are not your friends. They're your acquaintances. It's the person that you call at 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. That's your friend. Because you know they'll pick up the phone when they see, when they see that number. Now the frailty of friendship. It's uh, no matter the friendship, long or short, we are going to let each other down. And that's what happened in the garden. When Jesus turns to his three and he says, so you, you couldn't watch with me for an hour? Now in today's climate, that would have been, that would have been cancel culture right there. Right? Make one mistake. I don't care if it was 20 years ago and I see it posted, you're done. Wow. Wow. I'm done. Big deal. The only cancellation I want is the cancellation of my sins. The rest of it doesn't matter to me, and it shouldn't matter to you. It says that he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's the only cancellation that I'm concerned about. Anything else that I've said and done in my past, and you want to bring it up, bring it on. I could care less because I've made mistakes. But the fact of the matter is, is that they look, they, there's no mercy, there's no grace, there's no forgiveness, it's just judgment. But when you turn the table, what's the first thing they'll say? Thou shalt not judge, right? <laughs> they want to use this on you. <laughs> That's the culture we live in. But here it is with Jesus in, in the garden. You couldn't keep watching me for one hour. He didn't stop. Imagine if he would have just stopped answering. You couldn't keep watching me for one hour and then walked away and basically kind of left them feeling guilty or ashamed. But he didn't. He said, he said, he said to them, listen, he said, the, he said, watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So he not only kind of gave him a little tap on the hiney, but he also encouraged them right then and there. And he's going through all of this. But here's the thing when I was looking at this yesterday. <clears throat> I said to myself, when he said that, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Who was he really talking to? Could he have been expressing himself before his disciples? Remember, he went to the father three times. The spirit of him said, thy will be done. His flesh said, let this cup pass from me. Do you see what's happening here? So when he's saying to his disciples, he's going through the same thing. The spirit is willing. My flesh don't want any part of this. He was human. See, we want to make statues of him and leave him as a statue, but he was a real man with real emotions and real feelings. And here we see, and we see it in the garden. And so when I, when I saw that, I stopped him and I paused and I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Who was he talking to? I think he was expressing himself to his disciples. And 
went over their heads. But that's the beauty of friendship. See, the beauty of friendship is that you can say something strong to your friend, criticism or correction, but then in the next moment, you lift them right back up. Come on, let's go get something to eat. Right? That's all there is to it, especially if you're Italian. Hey, your bread stinks. Come on, let's go get something to eat. I remember one time I had eaten garlic bread, and it was like three days ago. And Pastor's like, do you have garlic? I'm like, yeah, three days ago. Well, let's go have some more. But, you know, you know, you're kind of like, oh, maybe I should go take a shower before we go out for the but to Italian, garlic is like cologne. It's also underarm deodorant, so you know. And mouthwash. <laughs> what the world doesn't see inside church. How they stereotype it. We think it's dead. It's alive. Here we are laughing, and yet we're serious at the same time. Open their eyes, Lord, open their eyes. And strengthen us to show them the truth in those things. So the beauty of friendship is in its frailty. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Who is he really talking to? See, friendship is frail, but without it, we're lonely, we're hopeless, and we fall apart. You know, some people had no one to call in their isolation when we were told to stay home. Some people had no one to call because they never cultivated friendship. So when they couldn't go out, there was no one. There was no one to call. There was no one to Zoom. There was no one to relate to. And then we wonder about the suicide, the depression, the... the the mental health issues, the torments that some people went through in this lockdown. It's sad because we weren't willing to be vulnerable or frail to one another. All, we, all some people were, were mean or pushed away and built up walls and because of their hurts, because of past rejections, they didn't know how to cultivate a friendship. And when something like this happened, they were friendless. So the beauty in our friendship is that it is frail. But its frailty is not weakness, it's strength. That you we can go to one another and be vulnerable. Frail moment number three is the frailty of destiny. Verse 45. Then he came to his disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed, in, I mean, not betrayed, betrayed, into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's, let us get going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. See, we all have a destiny. We have a couple of destinies. One destiny is we're going to be born, and we're going to die. And the Bible says that it's appointed unto man one time to die, and face judgment. That is one of our destinies. The Bible says that we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 
we're going to be held accountable for the things that we have done. We're not going to be condemned, but we have to give an account. And so there is a destiny for each and every one of us, but there is also a destiny for us here as believers in Christ. There is a destiny for us. What's that destiny? It's the will of God and the giftings that God has placed in you and how you cultivate it creates your destiny. See, if you think your destiny is to show up on a Wednesday and a Sunday and sit on your destiny, you'll never know what your destiny is. See, when you have to ask, you have to ask, Lord, what are my gifts? See, pastor had to have asked the Lord one time, maybe more than once, but he said, what's my destiny? God said it's to be a pastor. So what did he do? He ordered his life in the way so that nothing can get in the way of him becoming a pastor. It's the same thing. Let me, what, God, what's my destiny? It's to be an assistant pastor. Okay, so now I have to make decisions that allow me to become or to be an assistant pastor. Do you understand? Now, you have to, you have to do the same thing. What is it? What's my destiny? And how do I organize my life so that I fulfill my destiny? Now, it sounds so nice and romantic, right? It's like, it's kind of like, you know, um, I got a date with destiny, and it looks like she ordered the lobster. But the, but the truth of the matter is, is destiny isn't really like that. I want to talk to you about King David. The Bible says in Acts chapter 13, verse 36, it says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God or the destiny of God in his own generation, so he served God, he served his destiny. It says the purpose of God, but it's the same thing. He served the purpose of God in his own generation. What do you do? He served it in his lifetime. Hold on a moment. And was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. So he died. But here's the thing. Let's think about David for a moment, and I want to talk to you about destiny. Let's look at the life of David. First of all, we're introduced to David, we're introduced to David, and David isn't even there. Samuel shows up at the house of Jesse because God told him to go there and anoint the one that he picks. So Jesse, David's father, brings all his boys in except David. You stay there. You're insignificant. Excuse me. You're a shepherd. You're a shepherd boy. Stay out in the fields. And the prophet looks and says, this isn't the one, this isn't the one, this isn't the one, this isn't the one. Is this all your sons? No, there's one more left. Can you imagine how David felt in that one situation? But he was the one. See, just because you've been rejected doesn't mean you don't have a destiny. You have more of a destiny because you've been rejected. Because the ones that rejected you, rejected you. But the one that accepts you, accepts you. Amen? Okay, let's go on. That's nice. Thanks for the claps. But let's keep going on. Okay, so he's anointed. Next thing you know, he's bringing cheese and nuts to his brothers. And, 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 and a little while later, he's cutting off the head of a giant. Right? 
Okay. Then there's a song made all about him, and they're dancing, they're singing. David has killed his, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. Ooh. So David is now sitting at the, at the table, playing his harp, and dodging spears. This is his destiny. Okay? If you want to stay on the road for your destiny, you got to learn how to dodge spears. You got to... Sh- Thank you, shuck and jive. I was going to stick and move, but I don't know anything about fighting except running away. <laughs> Live to fight another day. But anyway, so let's go on. So we see that happening, right? Okay. So, so, that, so now he, he, he runs away. But he runs away for 13 years. He lives in caves. He lives out in the sand. It says that God gave him some men to gather around him. The men that he gathered around him were discouraged, distressed, and in debt. This is his destiny. He's living it out. Don't judge the people that God brings around you. They may be around you for a purpose. It doesn't matter what's going on in their lives, and that is how you're going to lead them. Okay, destiny. Let's go on some more. He's being chased so viciously that he, he, he has to hide out, and in order to hide out, he has to play a crazy man in front of a king. Drool coming down his bed. I play a crazy man pretty good. It's natural for me. Yes. Okay, destiny. Okay, he gets the kingship, he gets, ma- he gets married. Eh, go ahead, go fight. I'm going to stay home. He's looking out the balcony. There's a woman taking a bath, brings her in. He impregnates her. God judges him. He weeps with a child. The child dies. He has other children. Okay. His daughter is raped by one of his sons. He doesn't do anything. His favorite son assumes the kingship and David has to run for his life. And the son is killed and David weeps. Another son, while he's on his deathbed, assumes, um, tries to take the kingship. Am I saying this right? the kingship away from the one who was supposed to be for. David's life and his destiny was a lot of turmoil. See, when we think of the word destiny, we, we want to romanticize it. Think about this. The destiny that we're living has been fraught with frailty. I've failed more than I've succeeded. I've stumbled more than I've walked. I've fallen more than I've run. Do you understand what I'm saying? But I'm living in my destiny. You will serve the purpose of God in your, genera- in your generation. But understand, when you, when you think about, oh, I'm going to serve the purpose of God. Good, serve the purpose of God. But understand, you're going to serve the purpose of God in frailty. And God accepts that. Because it's not about you. It's about him. That's what the cross is for. Because I'm frail. I'm full of faults. I'm full of failures. I need the cross. 
I need the cross. I need the cross. Without it, I'm undone. But because of the cross, I can fulfill my destiny and serve the purposes of God in my generation. And so can you because of frailty. Amen? Amen. Give yourself a hand clap while I take some water. So the frailty of destiny. See, the beauty of destiny is in its frailty. Because if you're waiting to serve God, when you got it all together, you'll never serve God. Because we'll never have it all together. We will have some victories. And we will overcome things because God has given us the power to overcome. But once you overcome some, one thing, there's another thing to overcome. <laughs> Welcome to the wonderful world of Christianity. Yeah, it's never, because if we overcome and we become, become victorious, guess what? We become cocky. I got this, God. It's all about me.com. You know what I'm saying? It's not like that. You get through one battle, here comes another one. But it's supposed to be like that because you need that and you need these. And you need him. The beauty of the frailty of destiny Amen? I want to close with this. Remember, we look at Jesus in his strength. We look at Jesus and we, we're talking about the miracles of Jesus. And we think about the walking on the water. The, all of these things that Jesus, wow, we're amazed. But we never take in for a moment the frailty of Jesus. The humanity of Jesus. And Isaiah 53 paints a beautiful picture of that when it says he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his wounds or scourging, we are healed. Amen. So do you see the frailty of the picture that Isaiah painted? He was familiar with all of our rejections, all of our grief, all of our suffering, all of our sorrows. He had to go through it and even more so that when we're filled with sorrow, when we're filled with grief, when we're filled with discontent, we can go to someone who absolutely 100% can identify with us and relate with us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Pastor. <laughs> Get some water. This is on. Praise God. Father, we thank you for that word tonight that Pastor Mike brought to us to remind us that we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to pretend to be strong all the time. There's frailty and weakness in us because we have flesh. 
And when we are strong, it's because of the Lord and the power of his might. So, Father, help us to embrace our frailty and at the same time find our strength in you, to find that balance, God, but never to be imbalanced to try and project us as something we're not. You're our strength. You're our peace. You're our portion. You're our salvation. We're strong in the power of your might, but in and of ourselves we're weak. And so help us to be content with that weakness because when we're weak, you're strong and you move through us and you use us to do great things, Lord God, that we can never do by ourselves. With God, nothing is impossible. So Lord, help us to embrace our frailty and find your strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. Bless you, Lord.